It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. It's Live in the Bream with the host of Fox News Sunday, Shannon Bream. All right, welcome back to Live in the Bream. Uh, he is a sensational, best-selling author, super interesting guy on so many different levels. Um, and he's had success on so many different levels, and he seems very humble in the middle of that. Anyway, Jack Carr is back with us, former Navy SEAL, number one New York Times best-selling author. Like most people out there, you've probably become acquainted with him because of the terminal list, but there is so much more that has followed that. Jack, welcome back. Thank you so much for having me on. I feel like I see you all the time, not just on Sundays, but at different spots a lot throughout the week on on Fox. So, uh, and in our household, my wife and I, we we've we've uh, since the first time I was on <laughs> this uh, this show, we always say, what, "What are you doing today?" And we oftentimes say, "We're just living the bream, living the bream today." Oh my goodness, you guys are more than living the bream. But listen, I go where they tell me. You know, I, I'm going to pop up and show up wherever it may be. Um, but what I need to do in the midst of all that is catch up. My husband is ahead of me on your books, but you've got this brand new one, Only the Dead, undoubtedly another bestseller. So tell us the premise behind this latest installment. Yeah, so this one, it hit the hit number one, the New York Times list Boom. last week. That is a wonderful out of the gate, um, and it means means so much to me. Growing up, reading all these books by people like Tom Clancy and Nelson DeMille and David Morrell and AJ Quinnell and J.C. Pollock and Mark Olden and Louis L'Amour, Stephen Hunter, all these guys that I grew up reading who were essentially giving me an early education in the art of storytelling. At the top of those books, I'd always see number one New York Times bestseller. So uh, when it first happened a couple of years ago, it was just it was so meaningful, and it didn't change this third time uh, either to have it's. it's see that come across the the email last last Wednesday so much to me. Um, but this one, this is uh, each one of my books has a specific theme. And this one is truth and consequences. And mm-hmm. uh, we seem to have a lack of accountability across the board in uh, in this country, maybe worldwide, but specifically in this country, especially at the senior leadership levels in the, the military and intelligence services and uh, in our elected representatives who stay in office for quite some time and get very good at picking stocks somehow, but uh, very little accountability. <laughs> For all these people up there. And so through my books, I get to to hold certain people accountable in a way that is very therapeutic for me as a citizen and an author. So this one ties up a lot of loose ends that I'd kind of been leaving out there through lines from other books uh, from the beginning all the way through this one. And this ties uh, ties them all, all up in here. But it deals with Russia, deals with Ukraine, um, deals with uh, the aftermath of World War II and setting up our intelligence services and setting up really the uh, uh, the world order post-World War II, which was really decided in New Hampshire in the summer of 1944. And uh, I go a little deeper into that and think, well, what if there was a group of people who didn't trust the citizenry, nor did they trust their elected politicians uh, on both sides of the Atlantic? And uh, what would that look like if they really tried to shape the world going forward and then pass that off to a new generation? So this one uh, is the longest book to date, also happened to be the most brutal and uh, is getting the best reviews of all of them from both uh, critics and readers. So I could not be more thrilled. 
I love that. I mean, you always hope that you're evolving in your skills and your crafts. And I have to tell people from our last conversation, they should go back and listen if they didn't hear that one, because none of this is happenstance. I mean, you talk about from an early age, you knew what you loved, you know, you knew what you wanted to tackle and try to be successful at. And you've been pretty precision about this. I mean, you've mapped out how to get things done, how to get them done well. And I think there's so many lessons there about if you have an early dream or a passion, you can't just wait or hope or pray that things are going to come together. You have taken very concrete steps that got you exactly where you wanted to go. Any advice for someone out there, whether it's writing or any other, you know, medicine, music, whatever they want to do about actually having a plan and tackling it? Yeah, I think it's listening to that call. I think we all feel this call early in life to something, um, but it's a passion that might be innate. It might be uh, through some influences early on in life, but uh, there's a calling. And for me, that calling was to join the military, to serve my country in uniform, specifically in special operations, even more specifically as a SEAL. And that was very early in life. And at the same time, I was reading books by all these amazing authors and just getting lost in the magic of these pages. And so I knew that after my time in the military, then I would write these kind of thrillers. So I didn't grow out of either of those dreams. Um, and I think it's because I listened to that call early on. And so everything that I did, whether it was uh, conscious or not, uh, really helped build that foundation and kept building on that foundation throughout my life. So coming at it from the fan's perspective by reading all these books that uh, in the same genre that I wanted to write in when I was older, uh, studying warfare on the academic side of the house. So studying insurgencies and counterinsurgencies and special operations and terrorism, uh, continuing that throughout my entire life, being a student of warfare, a student of my craft of writing, um, and then taking the experiences from Iraq and Afghanistan, the practical application of warfare and bringing them all together to write these novels. Um, but I think really, uh, and everybody's path can be different. Everybody can have that different dream. Everybody has to they'll have that different passion. Um, but for me, it was listening to that calling early on. And then when I got a little older, we have uh, three children and the middle one has some very, very uh, severe special needs and needs full time care forever. Um, so when I got when it came close to getting out of the military, I knew that my new mission in life was going to be taking care of my family, specifically taking care of him for a lifetime of full time care. I knew that my passion was writing. And so I combined the those two going forward to give me purpose. So I really think it's listening to that calling, whatever it might be for, for each individual, and then not getting discouraged along the way. Because sometimes if you have big dreams, it doesn't even have to be verbally from somebody. It can be a look when you tell someone you want to be a SEAL or you want to be a number one New York Times bestselling author in the thriller genre. It doesn't even have to be like, oh, you should have a backup plan or do you know how difficult that is? Um, it uh, it can just be a look, but use those things as fuel and don't get mm -hmm. discouraged because we all have one ride on this planet and we get to decide how we're going to spend that time, how we're going to impact those around us. Uh, we get to decide if it's going to be a positive influence or a negative influence um, and we can make that decision decision very consciously. And in this country, we have the all these options and opportunities to follow any dream. Um, and so I say, listen to that calling and uh, don't get discouraged along the way. Don't pay attention to the odds. Just go and mm -hmm. get after it. Yeah. And they're odds for a reason because they're beatable. I mean, you, you sure. have to believe, like you said, um, I think some people, you know, would be afraid to say, I want to be a New York Times number one bestseller. I'm going to do it. Or I want to be a SEAL and I'm going to do it. I, I think sometimes it scares us even to say things out loud. But it sounds like what you're saying is like there's power in that in in you know absolutely saying not i'm gonna sit around and manifest and believe and whatever i mean like you went after it you worked hard 
But we should be confident in stepping up to say what our dreams are. And I think the discouragement thing is a big part of it because there will be that twist and turns along the way, people saying no. You have to let the drive override that. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. And you have to put in the work. So mm-hmm. um, and even if you put in that work, you still might not make where you want to go. But if you don't put in the work, you certainly won't get there. So right. that's the thing that has to happen. You have to put in that work. You have to build upon the foundations. You have to build upon past experiences, whether they're positive or negative, because they're still a part of your life experience. And you can build on them going forward, even if they were a negative experience in a positive mm-hmm. way in order to build and to grow moving forward. So um, so I think that's, uh, that's a lot of it is putting... I identifying first what you want to do and then taking concrete steps to get there, but also making sure that it's, it's a passion. It's a, it's a mm-hmm. passion of yours because you are going to get knocked down along the way and it is going to be difficult and you are going to get thrown curveballs and that's just called life. And when you get knocked down, you, we have to get up at some point. That's that's a given. You have to do that. So now we get to decide how we're going to get back up. Are mm-hmm. we going to get back up complaining and whining and making it miserable for everyone around us for whatever our circle is? Uh, or are you going to get back up in a way that inspires everybody around you, whether that's a spouse and children and parents, a small circle of friends, a large circle of friends, a, a social media following, whatever it, whatever it might be. Uh, once you get knocked down, you get to decide how you're going to get back up. And uh, that's an important decision to make. We'll have more Live in the Bream in a moment. Fox News Radio On Demand on the Fox News app. Download the app and just click listen. When you swipe left, you can listen to your favorite Fox News talk shows live. Swipe right for the latest Fox News Radio newscasts on demand. Fox News Radio on the Fox News app. Download it today. We are talking to Jack Carr Once again, number one New York Times bestseller is brand new book, Only the Dead. Now, you did say that this one is a little gritty, a little violent. Um, It is. It didn't start out that way. It didn't start out that way. It just kind of naturally happened because for me, it's all about the story. And uh, Mm -hmm. you have to honor that story. I never listened to to critics or uh, review on Amazon or anything else. It has to be all about the story. All of my heart and soul has to go into it. So when I write the, I have the title, I have a theme. I have a one-page executive summary that I write first. Uh, then I write the outline. And even at that outline stage, I didn't even realize that it was going to be the longest or the most brutal to date. Um, but once I started turning that outline into the narrative, then that's when it became evident that uh, that it was going to be a pretty brutal one. Okay. So this starts by looking back to something that happened in the 1980s and how all of the threads and things that flow from that lead us to today. How much do you look at you know, the current geopolitical climate, the headlines, those kinds of things, how much do they inform what you do? And how tricky is that when you've got fictional characters and you've got fictional themes and stories that are going to come together, but they may overlap with some real world events? Well, you do have an out as a uh, an author of fiction, uh, because if it doesn't turn out to be true, you can say it's just fiction. Um, exactly. So you so you do have a little bit of an escape valve there, um, but uh, there are things that are happening real time as I'm writing that influence me. I'm thinking about them, so my character would be thinking about them. In this case, specifically uh, Russia and Ukraine, um, or maybe overreach by uh, certain agencies in the federal government um, that he is now a part of, and how is he dealing with that internally? How's he how's he thinking about serving this government that has betrayed him in the past? 
that has done certain things like uh, uh, like the withdrawal from Afghanistan that is on my character's mind as well because it's on my mind. Um, and is that the best that we could do? That that sort of a, a thing. So it, there, it's very natural for me to incorporate what's happening in the world and then give my take on it. But because it needs to be informed uh, and I don't want to waste anyone's time and I take this so seriously because people are trusting me with time that they're never going to get back. So whether it's a sentence in the book or a post on Instagram or a blog on my website or a guest on my podcast, whatever it, it is, um, it has to be uh, so it has to be the most thoughtful that I can possibly make it. Um, and so I do a lot, do do a lot of research into these things. And I try to give maybe a little bit different perspective because I'm going so deep into it. It's not just a passing glance at the TV as I'm walking by juggling the kids. No, this is going into a story and this is going into a political thriller. And I'm incorporating geopolitics and there's some international espionage elements and there's conspiratorial elements uh, in this to make it a fun, fast ride. Um, so there, so I do go deep into the weeds on a lot of this, um, which is fascinating for me. And there is a lot of overlap between my podcast and the book, because I have a guest coming on, I need to read their book, I need to come up with questions, I need to have an engaging conversation. And in the last two books, uh, guests that I've had on who I probably I would, would have wanted to read their books, but they would have fallen a little lower on the priority list because there's so many things going on. But I did read them, I had them on the podcast, I talked to them. And what I learned ended up in the pages of the novel. So like for this one, mm. uh, April Archer, 1983, we almost had a nuclear exchange with the Soviet Union. But there happened to be one person, one officer on one watch in the Soviet Union in 1983, who had studied us, who had studied his enemy. He was an intellectual. And the person who was supposed to be on watch was sick. So this guy was there and their computers showed a launch of ballistic missiles from the United States, nuclear ballistic missiles. And by protocol and pressure from above, he should have launched back. And he didn't because he had studied his enemy. He might be the one person in the Soviet Union back in 1983 who could have resisted pressure from above and resisted the protocols and not launched. And that turned out to be a glitch and there wasn't this nuclear exchange. And that was classified, I think, until 89 or 99. I have to go back and, and look, but it was classified for a number of years. And there's a lot of lessons in uh, in what happened that night in 1983. So I got to weave that into the story as well. So um, so there's a lot that, uh, that I learned through research that uh, I don't set out uh, wanting to put into the novel because I don't know about it yet. But through research, it becomes very natural to incorporate into the story. Yeah, that is fascinating. It reminds me because I'm super old of the movie War Games with Matthew Broderick, exactly. if you remember that. Exactly. That's, oh, that's what comes to my mind. Theater. I saw it in the theater yeah. with my great memories of it. Um, and uh, and it's exactly, that's how I pictured it in my head too, as he was describing it to me. It's these people in a room looking at a computer screen, uh, seeing a launch from the United States. And what are they supposed to do? Tensions are already high uh, with the Korean Airlines shoot down, uh, Korean Airlines mm -hmm. flight 007. And uh, around that time frame, this exercise going on in Europe at the time that they thought was cover for a US invasion. Uh, so there were a lot of tensions were high. And then they get this launch that ended up, thank goodness, not being real. And uh, and they have the person in place who can resist it. Well, there's so much to learn uh, from so many people and all around us, these, these moments in history. And I know that you like to tackle things that have actually happened as well. Um, talk about that, why you think it's really important for us to revisit those things and, and what you hope to educate and teach people. There's so many lessons in the pages of history. And right now we're being so easily manipulated through these phones that we carry around in our pockets, um, whether it's by an, uh, in, an institution, uh, uh, a politician, a company, uh, whatever, whatever it might be. 
because we're just programmed into these 15 second uh, TikTok videos or sound bites mm-hmm. or um, been programmed to get uh, very upset and very triggered based off someone's tweet or whatever, it, whatever it might be. But really, there are lessons in the pages of history and what we owe those who gave us these freedoms and these options and opportunities that we all have today is to go back into those pages of history to put the requisite time, energy and effort into the study of an issue before we send off an angry tweet or walk into that voting booth or whatever it might be. Uh, Because decisions we make today are really not for us. They're for our kids and our grandkids for future generations. But if we don't make these decisions from a foundation that's in from the pages of history from the inception of this country up until today really um then we're doing a disservice to those who sacrificed everything for us and a disservice to these future generations because we're curtailing their liberties curtailing their freedoms um, based on an emotional response today which is really uh, being manipulated by another entity so it's uh we owe it to put the phone down to really dive into the pages mm-hmm. of history before we make these decisions, before we walk in to that voting booth, before we retweet something, before we get into that argument with a coworker or a family <laughs> member over dinner. Um, so taking a breath and really going back to reading. So stop tweeting and start reading is uh, is one oh, of my I mantras. Like you have you trademarked that that needs to be on t-shirts. I haven't, but mu- I came up with mugs. it on the fly a couple of years ago. Uh, and uh, I just float right there but it seemed to make sense yeah stop tweeting and start reading uh, i know I like you know too. what just that in general in life that's a good idea I, you know i was reading this morning about how tiktok uh, you know montana obviously has tried to ban it there we'll see how that works there obviously federal litigation immediately ensued but here in in washington there's been so much bluster from both sides of the aisle about getting rid of it and it being a national security interest with tiktok um with china and and all these other things but the fact that it is that it's not going anywhere legislation has not you know, gathered steam. We're not, you've got young people in your household. How do you handle this idea of, you know, social media and TikTok and the other temptations out there that are very, I mean, they're designed to be addictive for all of us. It really is. And it's so difficult. My wife and I talk about it probably daily. Um, our daughter who's 17, just graduated from high school in a couple of days. And she, she kind of missed that side of it. Uh, for whatever reason, she just kind of missed it. She, I don't know if she, uh, anyway, she, she's whatever reason she was just on the cusp of, uh, being the generation that is just always on the phone, only communicating through Snapchat and through TikTok and, and those things. Yeah. Texting um, other people who are in the room old. with you. It's just, it's amazing. It's wild. And of course, the, tic, the TikTok or the Snapchat where they have to stay on there in order to keep, I think there's like an, like an energy bar. And if they're not snapping, they oh lose some of their, it's completely designed to be, keep them right there. Um, so my wife and I think about it all the time with our 12 year old, and he's the one that is growing up in this generation and he's a smart one. So once we, uh, we, we put these filters on his phone or where we can control it, but he's a smart one. And these kids, they can put other right. apps on their phone that hide the app actual thing and he's so smart he can figure ways around it and uh so it is a very difficult thing to deal with as a parent but what i like to do is get the kids out to uh river rafting so you're at the bottom of a Mm -hmm. canyon there's no cell service there's no wi-fi there's not so it's and it's for me as well so i can't look at my phone and say oh hold on one second here i just need to return this quick text um so that's not even an option for me it's not an option for them to be snapping or be on tiktok um and it's and i love doing that sort of thing anyway so I think we're just trying to do the best we can, like most parents out there, um, knowing that their that their kids are are figuring out ways around Making any out blocks. With us all. Uh, 
Yeah, and it's a uh, it can they really can and uh, but it's something we are we're thinking about every day and we're looking at that phone every day. But it is it is very difficult time I think for these kids to grow up because they have these things they're attached to them they're addictive and then of course these uh, these different companies can manipulate um, not only purchasing behaviors but uh but thoughts so mm -hmm. it's uh it's a very difficult time i think for both parents and kids in dealing with this and we're just we don't have right the answers but we are thinking about it uh every day and trying to uh figure out a way to live with these things um and uh in, in a way that's that, that's positive but it's it's certainly difficult and these companies aren't making it any easier for us as parents mm -hmm. that's for sure well, I'm thankful every day it wasn't around when I was growing up <laughs> because, gosh, it's hard as an adult to resist it and not make bad decisions. Like you said, think about your yeah. tweets. Think about what you're doing. Um, we have been talking with Jack Carr. His brand new number one New York Times bestseller is Only the Dead. Rave reviews. Um, and, you know, if you got a summer read, dive right in. But buckle up because these are very bumpy waters and you will have many, many thrills along the way and probably learn something, too. Um, Jack, have a wonderful summer and thank you so much for joining us. And congrats again. Please tell us where people can find you and what you're up to next. Oh, absolutely. So officialjackcar.com, that is the website. There's uh, uh, You can find me on social media through there, but the social media is uh, Jack Carr USA on Instagram and Twitter. That is still me. I think it reposts to Facebook, but I'm on Instagram and Twitter where I try to thank people as much as I possibly can uh, because I feel so grateful that people took a risk on me as a new author and told a friend. So anytime someone jumps on Instagram and tells me they love the book, I try to get back and, and thank them because I am sincerely grateful. Uh, so have that. And then podcast is Danger Close on Spotify, on Apple, and on YouTube. And uh, yeah, new book, new nonfiction coming out in a year and a half on the 1983 Beirut Barracks bombing. So that's in the works, as is James Reese 7, my next novel. So there's a lot of projects in the works. And uh, congratulations to you on everything. And uh, I feel like I see you almost daily uh, on Fox. So thank you for all you do. And I uh, sincerely appreciate all the support. I will see you there. Jack Carr, thank you for living the bream. Uh, take care. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. Hey there, it's me, Kennedy. Make sure to check out my podcast, Kennedy Saves the World. It is five days a week, every week. Download and listen at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts.